0: Hi there. I'm Washington Post reporter Lillian Cunningham. Stay tuned after the show to hear about my latest podcast, Moonrise. It's the dark but true story of why we went to the moon and what we found there. The full series is available now.
1: Hey, history lovers. I'm Mike Rosenwald with Retropod, a show about the past rediscovered. Jim Crow. You've no doubt heard this name before. It's a name that has stood for hate and for the laws, the Jim Crow laws, that made racial segregation in the South legal until the Civil Rights Movement in the 1960s. Now that ugly name has reemerged in the American vernacular thanks to the recent political scandals unfolding in Virginia, where both the governor and attorney general have admitted to wearing blackface. In their past, I took responsibility for content that appeared on my page in the Eastern Virginia Medical School Yearbook that was clearly racist and offensive. So, what's the connection between Jim Crow and blackface? Well, back in the 1830s, Jim Crow wasn't yet a symbol of inequality. He was a fictional character in minstrel shows who, to entertain his audiences, danced like a buffoon and spoke with an exaggerated imitation of black slave vernacular. Intended to be comedic, minstrel shows were first performed in New York with white actors who wore tattered clothing and used shoe polish to blacken their faces, according to the Smithsonian's National Museum of African American History and Culture. While society now considers donning blackface as clearly racist, According to historians, the practice, especially on stage, was celebrated by whites in the South following the Civil War. The battlefield fights were over, but the struggle over race was not. And Jim Crow, he was the biggest star of the minstrel shows that denigrated blacks. Who was behind Jim Crow? A man, a white man named Thomas Dartmouth Rice. Rice was born in 1808 in New York. As a teenager, he began traveling the country as an actor. According to a University of South Florida history of minstrel shows, Rice was a dancer and a singer who drew from his observations of blacks in the South to create an extremely exaggerated and stereotypical black buffoon. While he wasn't the first white comic to perform in blackface, Rice was the most popular of his time, and as a result, the character of Jim Crow spread, becoming a common stage persona. The big lips, the lack of education, the poor clothing, that's how Daryl Davis, a black blues musician who has studied these shows, described these minstrel characters in an interview. It wasn't about trying to look black, he said, but trying to look black in a way that portrays blacks negatively. Davis has long argued that context is key when judging the use of blackface. In the 1900s, for example, white artists such as Al Jolson painted their faces as they performed ragtime and blues music pioneered by African-Americans. Davis credits Jolson with spreading black music to white audiences and advocating for black artists. But many historians think that blackface is always racist no matter who is wearing it or why. In the internet age, social media has fueled furrows over blackface.
0: You get in trouble if you are a white person who puts on blackface on Halloween or a black person who puts on whiteface for Halloween. Like, back when I was a kid, that was okay as long as you were dressing up as like a character.
1: Last year, talk show host Megan Kelly defended blackface on the air. Though Kelly was already struggling with poor ratings, the episode and the resulting fury led to her ouster. Breaking news about another high-ranking statewide official who finds himself embroiled in a blackface photo controversy. Now, here the country is again, talking about blackface, about minstrel shows, about Jim Crow. I'm Mike Rosenwald. Thanks for listening. This episode was adapted from a story written by Michael Bryce Sadler, Jessica Contrera, and Denine Brown for The Washington Post. For more forgotten stories from history, visit WashingtonPost.com Retropod.
0: Hi, I'm Lillian Cunningham, host of The Washington Post's Presidential and Constitutional Podcasts. We've just released the finale for my latest series called Moonrise. It re-examines the story you thought you knew about why we went to the moon. I dig into newly declassified documents and presidential records, closed-door political deals, the Cold War nuclear arms race, and even the history of science fiction, to tell a new story about space. Listen on your favorite podcast app or at washingtonpost.com slash moonrise. You can binge the entire series available now.